Hey, it's Scott Orn of Cruise Consulting, and welcome to another episode of Founders and Friends. And before we start the podcast, let's give a quick shout out to Rippling. Rippling is the new cool payroll tool that we see a lot of startups using. Rippling is great for your traditional HR and payroll. They integrate very nicely. But guess what? They did another thing. They integrate into your IT infrastructure. They make it really easy for when you hire someone to spin up all the web services and their computer, which sounds kind of like not a huge deal. But actually, we did the study at Cruise. We spend $420 on average just getting a new employee's computer up and running and their web service up and running. It's actually a really big deal. It saves a lot of money. And the dogs are eating the dog food. Like We see a lot of startups coming in to Cruise now using Rippling. So please check out Rippling. Great service. We love it. I think we have a podcast with Parker Conrad. You can hear it from his own words, but we're seeing them take market share. So shout out to Rippling. And now to another awesome podcast at Cruise Consulting's Founders and Friends. Hey, it's Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting, and we have a really great podcast with Sandra Miller of Runway. Uh, and just want to give a little context. We record this on October 13th. It took us a little bit to, to get edited and published but I, I wanted to just put that out there because, you know, the effects of COVID were still a little bit unknown. Like we were all still kind of dealing with the fallout. So I just want to add a little bit of context to the episode. Thank you, Sandra. You were a great guest and I hope everyone really enjoys this. Runway is a really great organization. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. Founders and friends. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Sandra Miller of Runway. Welcome, Sandra. Hi. Nice to be here with you, Scott. Yeah, great to have you. So you do a ton of work with startups. I think one of our clients told me about you, and I was checking out the website probably like six months ago, and I thought Runway is just so cool. And so I wanted to have you on the podcast. And maybe you could just start off by retracing your career a little bit and tell us how you found Runway. Sure. Um, so I have a very circuitous path in some ways to that that took me to ultimately getting to Runway. But the central sort of theme for my career to date has been working with technology-based startups. And perhaps a bit uniquely, I've done that from a variety of perspectives. So... Um, I started doing that working at the very early stage of innovation and invention uh, at Stanford. And I co-founded the Stanford Biodesign Program. With oh, I know that. that. Yeah. yeah. And so, I spoke there a couple of times when I was at Lighthouse back in the day. Yeah. So that's, that's a really, for those who don't know, that was, that's a really prestigious and a really cool program. I had no idea. Yeah. So the, you know, quickly the headline on biodesign and, and sort of the genesis for it was, uh, to teach a methodology um, around biomedical technology invention and innovation. And in medical devices, it, you know, the majority of those uh, technologies, the path that, that brings them forward is actually startups uh, who then get acquired by the larger device manufacturers. So, so building that, and it's now in, you know, well in its 20th year, and so there are biodesign uh, programs around the world that model themselves after Stanford Biodesign. And it's been, you know, really cool to see the legacy of that continue uh, to go forward. So, and most importantly, to see those inventions that folks at Biodesign develop 
ultimately impact patients, which is what it's all about. So that was yeah, that was sure. really cool. But it was it also played a really important role in my career because um, I really got you know solid grounding in that you know starting with a blank sheet of paper uh, methodology around innovation and invention. And I went to the Kauffman Foundation and um, what my job, I had this incredible opportunity to design and run purposely experimental entrepreneurship programs. And so I got to really dig into uh, some interesting work around, you know, how do you pick high potential founders? And then, of course, you know, how do you develop them? And so there are some there are definitely some things that we learned from our experience there. And that, again, that was just really cool. So I got to run programs for um, postdoctoral researchers who were commercializing their research um, from the university lab bench, people starting companies in the education technology space, um, all sorts of things. That's amazing. And I always think of the Kauffman Foundation because of like all the the work they do on venture capital yeah. and things like that. But really you were doing like the real important stuff, which is the founders and the people who are the ones who generate all the venture capital returns, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's great that you're working there. Well, it's, it's all important, right? Because the entrepreneurs. Well, yeah, you can't do the founders that can't Absolutely. do it without money. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I came back um, to, to Silicon Valley after Kauffman. I, I spent about half of my time in, in Kansas City where the Kauffman Foundation is based and came back here and started the um, accelerator at Singularity University Ventures. And so I, you know, I grew that portfolio to over 35 companies that were located all around the world, some with us. And but it was amazing because. Um, I was working with startups who were developing things ranging from synthetic biology to developing the first 3D printer uh, in space, right? Uh, which was a, a really cool company called Made in Space, developed the first zero gravity tolerant 3D printer, which is wow. super cool. And I mean, Singularity has a reputation. I, I've, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name, but I, I met a guy who basically invest their fund just invests out of com into companies coming out of singularity. And it's kind of like the, is it fair to say it's like the moonshot organization? Like it's really good at producing like super innovative companies, not like a new approach to doing SAS or something yeah. like that. It's like, we're going to the moon or printers, printers in space right. or things like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, that's super cool. Yeah. So it's working with, you know, at singularity, the focus is on applying uh, what they call exponential technologies, which is a fancy way for saying any technology that is rapidly accelerating. Um, so yeah. that, that definition is always going to change, but applying exponential technologies to solving some of the world's biggest problems, right? Yeah. So that that sort of um, convergence is, is the focus there. And again, working with you know the best and brightest from all over the world. And um, I continue to get to get have contact with some of those founders and see how far they've come and you know it's just it's really incredible and then sort of continuing this uh this journey you know i i and i have been on the angel side uh with a group that uh was called the angels forum really one of the more professionally run angel groups in the valley that has now sort of transformed um, as the founder of that group um, retired, uh, Carol Sands, she handed the reins over to that 
Um, and so what was the Angels Forum is now a really cool group called Mighty Capital. And a terrific uh, woman oh, named yeah. uh, S.C. Mawadi is um, really doing exciting things with, and, you know, sort of shaping her own path and, and with that group. And, and that's a strong sort of product-based marketing fit uh, bias that they bring to it. Um, so I definitely have a shout out for Mighty Capital because I think they do some really great stuff. Yeah, you know, actually Jennifer Vancini was on my podcast probably cool. probably nine months ago or so. And so I actually didn't know yeah. that was the same group. That's really interesting because they when she talked, she did she talked about how we her, mm-hmm. I worked with one of her a company she was on the board of. It is. It's all like product yeah. marketing focused investing, you know, which is which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Product management, product marketing, because they have like all like they have this giant network of product managers right. who chime in or see something yeah. special and source deals and things like that. So I didn't know that's how Mighty yeah. does things. Yeah, like, that's really cool. So one of the things that w- that's sort of interesting along this path is. I, I, I sort of geek out on like startup ecosystems and accelerators and incubators. And I'd been studying them, you know, since 2009 when I was at the Kauffman Foundation. And I realized increasingly, particularly when I was at the Angels Forum and I was seeing all these B2B startups come in that and they were coming from, you know, the, the top um, accelerators. I was seeing that there was this big gap. And that, hey, they made it into YC, Techstars, what name it. But there was this big gap. And um, the B2B startups were not, there were two things. They didn't know the difference between an investor pitch and a corporate customer or partner pitch. And mm. they were, mm. they were those, those accelerators, the best in the class, were not really helping them prepare to engage with the B, the other part of that B, right? Their future customers. And so I was really fascinated by that. And so I ended up joining Accenture uh, and their open innovation group at the time, which is now known as Accenture Ventures. And so it was one of those things where you're there at a time where there's, they're really sort of refining their model, figuring that out. And I went there because I wanted to sit on the other side of the table. I wanted to understand that corporate mindset because I'd never really been on that side before. And so I did. I got to, I got to you know, in my work um, with Accenture Open Innovation, I really got to dig into that. And just like working with investors and being on the investor side of the table, both of those experiences, I think, are just some of the things that really helped me to be an even more impactful and helpful advisor and mentor to startups. But because you can put on that investor hat, you can put on that corporate hat and help the help the, you know, whatever startup that you're working with really help them understand that other perspective and and where they're not yet sort of, you know, connecting in terms of their messaging. Yep. And so that's that's those experiences, again, these from a variety of perspectives, um, really uh, have have helped to shape what I do now. And one of the reasons when the the runway opportunity came along, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And this is the first time, almost the first time where I didn't sort of say, hey, you know, 
I, I think I should come and work with you because I can help you do X, Y, and Z. And so I had this forehead smack, you know, because I realized when this thing came along, I'm like, why wasn't I looking for something like this? Because yeah, it yeah. allowed me, it allows me to work with awesome startups every day and, and talk to corporates and, you know, they have just in their own way, they have just as many challenges. They struggle with sort of um, describe, you know, even articulating the problem that they're trying to solve. Yeah, or yeah, if yeah, we're yeah, able yeah. to articulate it, well, no, no, that's actually not your problem. Your problem might be over here. And and so I just love it because it brings all those things together. I mean, you have you have an incredible experience, like all those different stops. It's um because you've also been on like the investing side and the kind of big picture consulting side with Kaufman and then doing the Accenture stuff. So you know exactly what the corporates are actually looking for. It's a really great combo. It's 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 actually really impressive. I love oh, thank it. You. So we were going to kind of center our talk around, because I think both of us work with, we have 300 companies mm-hmm. and I think you have 300 or more, something like that. Um, we see certain patterns with founders. Yeah. And so we were going to talk about kind of some of the things that e- either helping to prepare founders or th- areas that they could use some some extra help on to be successful. Sure. So let me come come at this in, in two ways. So the first thing, uh, that I'll speak to is in working with early stage founders, one of the things that I saw c- come up with founders in whether in a variety of programs, whether it was at Stanford or Kaufman or wherever, is sometimes you see uh, entrepreneurs who you connect them to people who, um, are experts or, you know, in a particular area, let's say it's product design and you connect them to maybe two or three people that they can, you know, that they need to get some advice on their prototype, let's say. Yep. And because their, their product needs some work and, you know, I'm not a product. People can't see this, but the look on your face was hilarious when you said that. It was like, like you've, you've had this talk 500 times or something like that. Well, know? and, and, you know, it'd be like the equivalent of me being like your financials need some right. help. Exactly. You know, like exactly. And, you know, and I'm not a product designer expert. Um, yeah. And so they'll meet with, you know, a couple of those people and then I'll check in with those people that I connect them to. How'd that go? You know, do you think they heard you? You, you know, what what should I know so that we can continue to make progress in this area? And um, and then I'll talk to that entrepreneur after those meetings and see where they are maybe three, four weeks later, and they've made no progress. And in fact, they're telling you why those people who get paid, you know, and have a lot more experience than they do actually getting paid in that area. And so you sort of, you know, they just ignored the advice. And and I, I never take that personally because, and I, I sort of say, listen, I don't care if you, if you don't take what I say, no problem. So, but when you're, you have the opportunity to meet with people and you don't have to agree with everything they say, but if you, if you don't take anything away from that, and if you're just totally rejecting everything that they say, and you're still in the same spot and you've made no progress, there's something else going on. And, yeah, and when you yeah. peel away the layers, that is a, it's a behavior. And it's, it's one of two primary behaviors that I see with, with founders. And that behavior stems from fear. 
Mm. And so, you know, they're sort of rejecting good advice. The other thing that is going on, and, and it's part of the rejecting good advice, but it, it also plays out in different ways. It kind of is self-sabotaging behavior. And so a lot of what's behind that is fear. And, and, yeah. I, and you have to understand where the fear is coming from. That, you know, founders have it all out there. You know, they are, there's ton, there's so much that they've put at risk. And often founders are people who've been, you know, who are hyper competitive, who've been very successful, they're very driven, and they're scared. Understandably. Yeah. And so, and, you know, they're doing these things well, and they, they just don't have awareness a lot of the times. And at the end of the day, my job is to help them try to get to the breakthrough, right? Yeah. Right. Cause it's, you know, that that's what the point well, is. Yeah. And there's a bunch of things you said that are so powerful. The first thing I loved is you, is you said like, there's something else going on when you've identified the problem instead of saying like, Hey, you're scared or you're, you've got a lot of fear, right. Or something like that. And it kind of puts them on the defense of your, you're keeping things open by just saying, Hey, there's something else going on here. And there, there's a pattern I've seen before. And then trying trying to keep them open because they're already kind of closed if they're not re receiving that advice. And so I think that's that's really, really smart. And you're right about the fear. I mean, I'm Vanessa is our founder, but I still wake up in the middle of the night all the time with like crazy fears or crazy like irrational things that I can't go back to sleep. And you you do kind of live with that like yeah. all the time. And so it's totally normal. Right. You know, so I think the other thing you're doing is you're kind of like giving them, you have so much experience, you've worked with so many companies, being able to say like, hey, it's okay. Like I see this pattern all the time. Let's let's get into it and figure out how we can keep you open and may, maybe open you up even more to some of this advice. Yeah, and it, it really, Scott, comes from a place of deep respect. Because um, if, you, if you really look at it, a founder is someone who goes forward with something when there is the least validation that there ever yeah. will be to build a business yep. based on that. Right. Yep. So they're the ones that had to have that belief when no one else did. So what does that mean? I mean, and this word is very loosely used, but you kind of have to be at times, particularly early on a little bit crazy right? <laughs> um, to be a founder. Because you yeah. have to believe uh, when there's might not be other evidence and that belief has to carry you forward. Now, the, one of the things that I, I often say when I'm talking to entrepreneurs is um, <laughs> that sort of builds on our crazy word is in some ways an entrepreneur has to be a little bit schizophrenic. And what I mean by that is you have to be, have that big, you know, big vision, you know, be carrying forward despite, you know, when things are going bad and yet you also have to be grounded. Right. Yep. And that's why yeah. when you read about, Oh, so you're thinking about starting a business. One of the things that people talk about a lot is, you know, you can prepare, right. There are some, some things you can do before you just quit your day job and jump into that. There are some things you can do to prepare a little bit for that. It's actually funny. Cause I talked to a ton of people and some do prepare and some are very methodical about it and I, and others just kind of go go for it and i'm not even sure like i've never done the study or done the math on what works better you know i think the preparing 
can be a lot less stressful, but then you also find another form of self-sabotage, which is like kind of iterating, yeah. but not actually Analysis doing anything. Paralysis, yeah. Because, because yeah. Paralysis. sometimes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Do just, you just have to jump the heck in. Yeah. You just have to go yeah. all in. And, you know, so that, so it's, the thing is, this is very personal. It's going to be different for every person. And I think, you know, as a, as a, I mean, I feel, I learn from every single entrepreneur that I get to talk to. I get just as much out of that discussion as hopefully I'm helping them with. Yeah. And so. Totally. That's why you do it. I'm yeah. the same way. It's, it, that's what makes my job so rewarding. Yeah. It's not it's not about financial stuff. It's about like feeling like you're helping people and right. getting that validation. So, you know, you have these conversations with people when they're at that decision point and, you know, they will, they will tell, talk you through, I know this doesn't make logical sense, but I have to do it now. And the thing is, in some ways, that's what you want to hear. If it's, if they have such a passion that it is really keeping them from doing, you know, other things, then they probably should do it. Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting. And before we get back to the podcast, quick shout out to ChartHop. ChartHop is one of my favorite new SaaS tools on the market. And basically what ChartHop does is it puts your org chart in the cloud. And I always like to say, like, it brings transparency to your organization. And so, you know, everyone in your organization can see who they report to. They can see the full org chart of the company and how their group relates to other groups. It also has a lot of information on the individuals in the company. And so you can click on the chart out profile and just get like where people live, their experience, you know, Slack handles, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a really great tool. The other thing is chart has started doing some cool stuff around compensation and budgeting planning. And so you can actually start seeing like what the cost structure of the company look like during certain kind of scenarios. So I'm loving chart hop. Check it out, chartop.com. We use it at Cruise. Really like it. And I can't recommend it enough. All right, back to the podcast. And being able to articulate that, though, is, is helpful for articulating that to you as a mentor or me as a mentor is really helpful because then you can, then you, then you know, the, it's not, they're not, they're not not doing something for some reason that you don't know or you can, you can, it opens you, them up and you can understand where they're going. And then that way, the next time something comes up where like, in your example, like they're meeting with like a fortune 500 company or just a business customer, they can articulate, they get, they get practice in articulating like why they're not going to take that advice or why that advice. And it keeps all their advisors close and kind of emotionally invested in them too. Absolutely. That's really cool. What are some of the uh, the analysis paralysis, the not listening to advice? Those are kind of like the opposite ends of things. Cause you, you see some people and I've been one of these people, I've started things that didn't work. And I've been the analysis paralysis person mm-hmm. too. So like that's actually one of the one of the reasons Cruise is successful is because Vanessa, our founder, is just like she will just go. She just know, she like will make things happen. What are some of the other kind of archetypes you've seen or common mistakes you've seen? I think one of the most common common ones is is around fundraising, and and really you know fundraising is almost. Um, constant. And so, you know, you see particularly a lot of um, technical founders just, you know, they hate it so much, which I understand, but um, 
you know, they really wait too long and they don't, they don't understand uh, how long it takes sometimes to raise the funding. Yeah. Um, yep. On that same vein, I think the other thing that I see people, um, you know, early founder CEOs uh, struggle with is the fundraising process and the, and managing it as a process because mm-hmm. it really uh, lays an important foundation for your company going forward and and actually how you manage it um, manage that fundraising process and the communications around it really sets a strong uh, can set a strong foundation for you to continue to build your company and I call it yeah. building an engine for fundraising. Because mm. you have, even early on, you will inevitably have uh, people who are your advisors, whether that's formal or not, and investors, you know, seed investors. And, you know, the CEO, what I see is a lot of CEOs just think that they're the only ones that they need to do all of it. And so I think if you have a, you know, this is when you, the importance of having a board, even if it's not a formal board, but a is is critical because a board and board meetings put together sort of some infrastructure for you and with fundraising that infrastructure is critical because you want to build sort of accountability so just i mean think about it if if you don't like formality think about it as the fundraising committee you know so there you're you are creating the the deal room where all the information about, you know, all the latest, you know, presentation materials, the one, you know, the one pager, the everything that you need um, so that those people around the table for this company who are incentivized for the success of this company, they're flexing their networks on behalf of the company. They're making introductions. If they believe in the company, they can maybe find other people who, um, who might be interested to come in. And, and you're, so you're if you so don't right. have that yeah. accountability of, okay, you know, this is who I've spoken to in the last two weeks. This is the outcome. This is why they said no. Or, and, you know, they're often not going to say no. They're going to say, talk to us when you have X, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you, yeah. you track that. And that's so important yeah. to have when, guess what? When you get your first term sheet and somebody's considering diligence, who are they going to pick up the phone and call? They're going to want to talk to somebody who's who's observed that founder totally, totally, go through that totally. process. And so if you're managing that process well, goodness, you're going to have a great story to tell on that diligence call. Because I've been on those diligence calls and it's, you know, you want to be able to tell, well, here's all the, th- here, and because the investor's looking for what's that founding, what's that founder's ability to execute? Give me evidence, give me examples. Totally. A pattern, right. right? I mean, I always say, even before you're getting the fundraising, I call it like professionalizing your company. Mm-hmm. And like, it's one of the things that like venture capitalists, even angel investors and, and seed funds, pre-seed funds really do well, which is they they exert a little bit of pressure on you to professionalize. And sometimes it's like taking your vitamins. You don't always want to do it. But like even just the monthly email updates. Yes early in the month and having all the metrics and having the commentary. And I recorded a video on this recently of just like, what should be in that? That builds so much confidence. And it's also like you're building your muscles, you're building your repetitions. And I'm a habits person. So like that habit of doing that every month really helps you. And and the cool thing is you've been forced to work out your metrics 
and all the commentary and all that stuff way before you're ever fundraising again. And so like, I think you're saying this too, like sometimes I'll see companies, it's like, okay, it's time to raise money. And then they have to figure out what they're going to be benchmarked on and what they're going to be evaluated on. When, if you've done this stuff nine months ago, it's just part of like the operations of the company. Yeah. And so I, I think that, I think what you're saying is really, really good advice because it does empower the other investors to make those intros and put their credibility on Like everyone has credibility. They're spending credibility when they're making those intros and they only want to do it if it's going to be like a good return on that credibility. Yeah. I mean, I think, so your advice. Is yeah. I think the other, the other reason for having tight communications around that. And I, uh, is because fundraising is a very, you learn so much from, and you iterate from every discussion that you have oh, totally. with, with investors. And so, you know, I love that you mentioned the newsletter because with um, some of the companies that I'm an advisor to, that has been uh, one of my recommendations early on. And it's, you know, it's interesting to see now years down the road, how that newsletter has evolved and the role that it plays. Totally. But that's, that is great advice because if you're not yet sending a monthly update to the group of people, whether they have equity in your company yet or not. So the group of people that are sort of supporting you, you got to give them information. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> need to be a Bible. It doesn't need to be super long, Yeah, but they need to have the information so they know when you need help. Yep, and how totally. They can and help you, you. Yeah, and the companies that go silent are the ones that almost always are not doing well. And so investors know that. Like, if you're an investor, you invested in 50 companies, not three. Yeah. Like, you know the patterns. The other thing I'd say is that newsletter or just these communications you're talking about with your board and the board meeting infrastructure and all that stuff. It helps you establish. I'll just, I'll just kind of say it's called True North. And so you go through fundraising. You're right. You get a ton of information, but some of those. Some of those meetings are like wacky or the person doesn't understand what you're, what you're doing or whatever. And so, you know, you have your true North already established and you know, if that person just doesn't understand is giving you bad advice, it kind of brings it full circle back to what you were talking about in the beginning with like, like when it's frustrating when people don't take good advice, but when you, when you've established tr true North, you know, what is good advice and what mm -hmm. isn't everyone around you understands like why that wasn't the feedback from that one investor was not, was not accurate or was not good. Or you just maybe had a bad day yeah. that day or whatever it is. You know, I love what you're talking about. Like all this prep work just really pays off, it pays off in a bigger valuation. It pays off in more money, it pays off in ease and speed. Like that's something people like getting it done quickly helps you get back to work faster. You know, it's just, it's just really, really powerful. Yeah. And I think th that true North concept really resonates because guess what else it does is it by having that as sort of the central focus that keeps everyone, including yeah. your board on point, that's where it's like, okay, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is true North and where this company is going and why this company exists. And you know, where we're all going is, uh, and because guess what? We all know that bad things and setbacks are inevitable. And yeah. so you're able to manage that in a context um, relative to making progress on true North. Yeah, you're, you're so right. Well, I can talk to you all day. <laughs> I have to be respectful of your calendar. 
but maybe you could tell everyone how to find you sure. and how to find runway. And I, I can't endorse you enough. Like, and, and just even in this conversation, like I, we're, you and I are on, totally on the same wavelength. Like I, it's a, it's a pleasure to talk Likewise. to you. Likewise. Well, let me just mention a, a few things about runway. Yeah. So runway innovation hub fa was founded in 2013. So we've been around for a while and we're located in the Twitter building in San Francisco. And our sort of raison d'etre is we are a San Francisco-based hub and that provides workspace, corporate innovation, and event services now online to a global, truly global community of tech startups and enterprises. One of the important things to understand about Runway relative to a lot of other players in the space is we're very much not in the, on the co-working side, we're not in the butts and seats model. We're really mm. focused on uh, a community and a curated community of tech startups and then people who want to engage with tech startups. That's what our focus is on the co-working side. The other half of our business is a corporate innovation consulting group. And so we have, you know, major uh, Global 2000 corporate clients and we engage with them in, in more of a boutique bespoke approach because every company that you meet with, they're at different stages in their sort of innovation maturity. They have very different innovation challenges. Sometimes they're more internally focused. Sometimes they're trying to figure out how to engage with startups, how to sort of curate their own ecosystem. That's something that we help them with. I think a, a couple other things to, to highlight right now about Runway uh, just in the interest of time, is one thing that we've done because of COVID and because we have this global community is we have launched an all-inclusive virtual office. We think about it originally, our, our sort of the, the, the profile of who we had in mind for that is that entrepreneur who has that business maybe outside the U.S., and they're ready to bring it to Silicon Valley, San Francisco, and they're ready to scale. And they're looking for a base as they start what can be like anywhere from like a six to, to two year sort of journey as they sort of test the market and start to make progress. They probably are starting with a biz dev consultant here on the ground. Well, so that's changed a bit. And so we're getting uh, folks who fit that profile, but we also are having folks join who are in an apartment in San Francisco and it's, you know. Just need some company. Yeah, and it's sort of yeah. 650 yeah. square feet and they're like going nuts and they want, they're not ready to make more of a commitment. This is just sort of their first, you know, they just yeah. want to know that they have a place to go and a community to engage with as they start to like, you know, leave the apartment. And we have done a lot in our space to be COVID safe. We've taken out mm -hmm. a whole bunch of furniture and we have this rigorous cleaning regimen. And so you have plenty of space where you're not gonna be around anybody else. You can be, feel very safe. Your desk will be wiped down probably at least once while you're even there. Oh, wow. um, nice. It's pretty, yeah. And we, we are very careful about how many people we let in on any given day, all of that. It's really carefully monitored. And so that is on the co-working side, something that is, you know, of interest to people. On the corporate innovation side, one of the things that we're doing is 
we sort of have a, a different approach. We've evolved the model for what was the typical sort of custom corporate accelerator program. And mm -hmm, so we've mm -hmm. integrated that curating an ecosystem around that. And um, so we have one now happening in the uh, living city space and we have a partner with that. And, and we expect to be sort of launching a call for applications for the mm -hmm. first of those that happens to be around themes like health and wellness, education, which can be anything from pre-K to lifelong learning and, and also property tech. And construction tech. Nice, nice. So that innovation hub model, I think, has a lot of goodness for corporates. It's a much more realistic, I think, in terms of what's going on and thinking about, you know, being at that cutting edge and then having sort of an ecosystem of players uh, that are synergistic with that. People that might be partners with that corporate startups that they might want to have pilot studies with, uh, maybe even invest in, acquire, what what have you. And so that's something that we're really excited. And, and this innovation hub model, we think, can be applied in other verticals as well. And so this is just the wow. first one that, you know, we're, we're kicking off with. Wow. I love it. You've got so much great stuff going. And I love how your focus is all, it's, it's bringing both, the, like helping the founders and coaching them, but also bringing the, the corporates who are just an important, just as important part of the equation, like without their business, without their support without their funding, like none of this happens. So it's a, it's a really great role you play in the ecosystem and, and thank you for doing well, thank it. thank you. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. So if anyone wants to check out Runway, runway.is.is. <laughs> and check out Sandra. And thank you, Sandra. I really appreciate your time and you're amazing. Thank, thank you, Scott. Pleasure to be with you all today. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. Friends with your host, Scotty Old.